extremely honoured that uh, we have announced as one of the great chefs of the Western Society, Chef Muhammad Akram Madhuri. He's from the Indian city of Patna and the graduate of World Renowned, Nagarjuna Kurama, India, where he studied in Australia. Chef Akram Madhuri is the highest caliber and specialized in Ilukur Vijal, the story of the narrator's top hadith. Chef has a doctorate in Arabic language and has authored and translated over 25 titles on language to his students, Quran and Hadith. In May 2010, he completed a monumental 57 volume work on the lives of female scholars of Hadith in Islamic history. Chef Shantabhara actually has given a very, very good introduction about Chef, and whatever I say will be negligible to what he has already said. He is the recipient of the Alamah Iqbal Prize for Contribution to Islamic Thought. He's a former research fellow at the Oxford Center for Islamic Studies, Oxford University, and is widely recognized as one of Western Europe's leading Islamic scholars. Sheikh Akram is the Dean and Academic Director of the Cambridge Islamic College. Our topic today, a reminder, women in the Masjid forbidden or forgotten. We look forward to your This is now going to be um, screened live, so if anybody wants to text this to somebody who's not been able to join us today, and if you would uh, like to share this uh, with the family members or other colleagues, it is bit.ly forward slash women masjid. So that again, bit.ly forward slash women masjid. There are other people who are not here who would like to see what is happening here now and listen to the chef's uh, inspirational speech, then please kindly pass it on. So, bit.ly forward slash women must I also remind all of you, please, that chef's uh, work, there are lots and lots of different uh, books that the chef has written. And there's a selection of them out there on the corridors and in the foyer. Please have a look and buy them on your way out. But make sure that you do see what is available out there. Thank you very much. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Was salatu was salamu ala rasulihi Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahabihi jima'in amma ba'd. A'udhu billahi min ash-shaytani rajim. Bismillahi rahmani rahim Wa ma khalaqtu al-jinna wal-insa illa li'abudun. وقال تعالى قل إن كنتم تحبون الله فاتبعوني يحبكم الله وقال تعالى لقد كان لكم في رسول الله أسبة حسنة وقال تعالى فاستجاب لهم ربهم أني لا أضيع عمل عامل منكم من ذكر أو أنثى بعدكم من بعد وقال تعالى ومن يعمل من الصالحات من ذكر أو أنثى وهو مؤمن فأولئك يدخلون الجنة ولا يظلمون نقيرا وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم النساء شقائق الرجال وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم من أحدث في أمرنا هذا ما ليس منه فهو رد وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم كل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم كل ضلالة في النار رسبت العلماء المعجير برداس وسسترس so inshallah I'm going to speak here just for, for a while uh, about uh, women's attending the prayers in the mosque. So one thing actually I want to remind you know, from the very beginning 
the religion is basically revelation. People cannot emit the religion from their mind. You know, there are many things in this world that are based on human experience. People can learn actually knowledge from their eyes. They can seek knowledge. They can learn things with the, by seeing. They can learn, you know, take, get knowledge by their senses, by hearing, by seeing, by touching, by so many things. But religion is something which only can come through the revelation. People cannot learn how to worship their Lord except by revelation. Whatever clever they are, if Aristotle comes, if Ibn Sina comes, Farabi comes, anybody comes, whatever intelligence they are, even actually Muslim ulama, Imam Abu Hanifa comes, Imam Malik comes, Imam Shafi'i comes, Imam Mahdhambal comes, or even anybody else, Imam Ghazali comes, Imam Razi comes, Ibn Taymiyyah comes, anybody comes. People have, people have no way to find out how to worship their Lord except through the revelation. There is no other way. Allah never can accept from the people any ibadah except the way he has taught through his messengers. If any ibadah comes through other than the messengers, it is not ibadah. Simple thing. When Allah SWT revealed the Quran to the Prophet Muhammad SAW, the purpose was not to make people prophet. The Quran did not come to the people to make the Quran, Quran did not come to the people to make them prophet. Prophets. Quran only came to the people to make them the followers of the Prophet. After the Prophet Muhammad, nobody is prophet. He seed of the Prophet. Nobody can become prophet. I learned the Quran, you know, I spent my life only, for only one purpose to become a follower of the Prophet Muhammad. If I learn the Quran in order to become a prophet, it's impossible. Quran never has been revealed for this purpose. To understand properly, nobody can worship their Lord except through the way that has been shown by the prophets and messengers. And when Allah revealed his words, he did not reveal his words to make people prophet. He only revealed the words to the people so they become followers of the Prophet Quran is here for what purpose? We learn, so we follow the Prophet Muhammad Quran says, قُلْ إِنْ كُنْتُمْ تُحِبُّنَ اللَّهَ فَاتَّبِعُونِي If you love Allah follow the Prophet Muhammad Allah will love you. Quran makes very clear for believers the Prophet Muhammad is the example. There is no example. People are allowed to differ from each other. I can differ from Mawla Shamsu Doha and he can differ from me. And there is no sin in that. Actually, maybe when I differ from him, I get reward. And when he differs from me, he gets reward. People can differ from each other. Imam Hanifa has full right to differ from Imam Malik. As Imam Malik differs from his contemporaries. Imam Shafi differs from his teachers. Imam Abu Yusuf and Muhammad, they differ from their own teacher, Imam Abu Hanifa Ta'ala. People always have been differing from each other. People have full right to differ and follow whatever they see. It is obligatory upon them. But Imam Hanifa, Imam Malik, Imam Shafi, Ta'ala, whatever we respect for, for them, they have no right to differ from the Prophet Muhammad If anybody intentionally, willingly, knowingly differ from the Prophet it is kufr. Nobody is allowed to differ from the Prophet It could be people differ by mistake, they did not know. It could be people actually interpret differently. But nobody unknowingly allowed to differ from the Prophet He is the guidance, he is the, he is the light. Allah will never accept anything except by following him. It is a simple thing. And the Prophet made very clear, the Quran is very clear. I don't want to read those verses, they are so clear in the Quran. People are never allowed to differ from the Prophet Muhammad Nobody, whatever they are, you know, 
like Imam Shibri Nomai Rahmullah Tala, the great scholar of India, he wrote a biography of Abu Hanifa Rahmullah Tala. The name of the book is An Nu'man in Urdu language. Very good book, very nicely written. At the end of the book, he said, in the in sum, Abu Hanifa was Abu Hanifa. He was not a prophet. So much praise for Abu Hanifa Rahmullah Tala, but said very clearly, in sum, Abu Hanifa was Abu Hanifa, but he was not a prophet. Understand this thing properly. That why the Prophet warned the people in many, many hadith, Man ahdatha fi amrina hadha ma laysa minhu fa huwa raddun. In so clear hadith, many, many hadith like that. Anybody who makes something new in the religion after my death, something which I did not see, something which is not revealed in the Quran, anybody who makes something new in the religion, fa huwa raddun, it is rejected. He said, Kullu muhdathatin bid'atun, anything new in the religion, which comes after him, it is bid'ah. What means a new? Means a new in the matter of the ibadah. The Prophet has come to teach people how to do ibadah. If anybody teaches after him about something that you get reward if you do this thing, and there is no proof for that in the Quran Sunnah, it is bid'ah. If I teach you something that if you do this ibadah, this prayer after Maghrib or after Isha, two rakah, you get this reward, and I have no proof in the Quran Sunnah, this is bid'ah. In the matter of the ibadah, nobody has got any authority to say except if it is from the Quran or Sunnah of the Prophet If people say it is bid'ah, wa kullu bid'atin ghalala, and every bid'ah an error. And some hadith, kullu ghalalatin finnar, and every error in the fire of hell. It is so clear from the Prophet you know, there's no doubt about that, that anything in the new in the religion is never, never can be accepted. Religion basically is what the Prophet has brought. Seal of the Khatamun Nabiyin. Seal of all the Prophets. Nobody can add anything to his religion. Allah said, The religion has become complete. Tam, Kamil. Nothing can be added to the religion of the Prophet. It is very clear. He is the example. He is the Uswa. He is the one who came to complete the religion. Actually, even he said, if Musa al-Islam becomes alive after, before Prophet Muhammad sallam, the messenger who got so many laws and sharia, Musa al-Islam. He said if Musa al-Islam comes alive, he has no choice but to follow me. Musa al-Islam has no choice but to follow me. If the messengers or prophets, they come again, they have no choice but to follow the Prophet Muhammad It is so clear. Understand this thing properly. Anything new in the religion after the Prophet Muhammad sallam, is bidah. There is no doubt in my mind, and anybody who can study you know, the Quran Sunnah properly and the history of Islam properly, there should be never a doubt that if people stop the women from coming to the mosque and they don't allow the women to come to the mosque, it doesn't matter how wide this practice is, wherever, in India, Pakistan, anywhere, it doesn't matter how old it is. You take but as old as possible. How old it is and how widespread it is, it doesn't matter. There is no doubt it is without. Stopping the women from coming to the mosque, it is certainly ibidah. It is something which did not stop in, start in the time of the Prophet It is something which has no sanction, no approval, no guidance from Allah or the Messenger. The Prophet never told people stop women from coming to the mosque. He never told. He never told. In his time, the women used to come to the mosque. Actually, on the contrary, Hadith in Sahih Bukhari, Sahih Muslim, and many, many sources of the Hadith, very clear. From many companions and for hadith of Abdullah Umar, Allah very clear in Bukhari Muslim, from so many versions, where the Prophet said, La tamna'u ima Allah masajid Allah. Don't stop women from coming to the mosque. Authentic hadith.
فرام وان ار ذا بيست اسناد ان اسلام فرام سالم فرام اسفاد عبد الله عمر الله تعالى عنهما فيري كليرلي دونت ستاب ويمن فرام كامل تو ذا موست حديث صحيح البخاري ذات عبد الله عمر رضي الله عنه رسل ذات عمر الله اسفاد عمر انه هي هاد ان وايفز اند تشيلدرن مي سو ماني باي نيفر ستاب اني بادي فرام جوينج تو ذا موست اكسبت وان اوف هيز وايف عاتقه he did not stop her but he did not like her to go to the mosque she was young and you know no doubt sometimes people can jealousy for their wives he did not like her to go to the mosque but never stopped her people said to atika that your husband does not like you to go to the mosque why do you go she said why doesn't he stop me why umar does not stop me from going to the mosque people said to umar why don't you stop your wife from going to the mosque he said how can i stop when the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said don't stop women from going to the mosque the people now in the name of umar lying all the world the world the umar is the person who stopped women from going to the mosque it never happened it is lying umar khattab even could not stop his own wife from going to the mosque and the people of the history say the day when umar bin latran was killed he became shaheed in the fajr prayer his wife atika was praying behind him in the mosque she still was there even in the fajr prayer the day he was killed he never stopped anybody from going to the mosque Actually, in his time, women have got a much better position than any time you can see in the history. In his time, one woman, Ashifa bint Abdullah al-Adawiya, from Banu Adi, Umar Khattar bin Latan appointed her as supervisor of the market of Medina. She is looking on the matter of Medina, going around to see if some the business of the people is halal or haram. She is looking. She is going everywhere. In his time, when the battle of Yarmouk happened, so many companions. It is actually one of the important battles between Romans and between Muslims. and it battle will become very important for muslims in that battle there were 30 female companions fighting with the swords and one of them she killed more than around 20 20 romans and the 30 women the biography that mentioned and some of the stories mentioned in sahih ibn khuzaimah and other books books of the hadith when these women are fighting in the time of umar they are fighting men they are not fighting women they are fighting battlefield big big war and umar did not stop them it happened in his time Actually, one of the lady, Khawla bin Tazabar, she was fighting in the clothes of the men. And Khalid bin Walid, that Allah Taala, he asked people later on, that who is this man fighting so so bravely? People said, no, he is not a man; she is a woman. Even that, in his time, Subayya al Salamiyah, that Allah Taala had, she was appointed by Umar Khattab, that Allah Taala to 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 do command to command good and forbid evil from the society. She was in on the position of Amr al-Maruf and Nahi al-Munkar, and that actually is in the Quran. Sir. So this one hadith, Umar Khattab Allah Taala could not stop his own wife. Though he was Amir al-Mu'minin, he was not only faqih, he is faqih, he is mushtahid. He could also make fitna, but he did not stop his wife or his wives or his daughters, any believer, from going to the mosque. Salim Rahimullah Taala, one of the seven major jurists of Medina, pious person, you know, son of Abdullah Umar Allah Taala Huma, and he was so beloved to Abdullah Umar, so pious. that once abdul umar allah taala was kissing him kissing his own son so he said shaykhun yuqabbilu shaykhan an old person a shaykh is kissing a shaykh so he calls his own son a shaykh so much respect salim narrates hadith in sahih muslim salim narrates once my father abdul umar allah taala huma was talking to his children his sons and he said the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said don't stop your women from going to the mosque one of my brothers one of the sons of abdul umar 
He said, I'm going to stab my wife. Abdul Umar became very angry and he abused those words of abuse. Salim said, which I never heard my, my father using any time. Abdul Umar is not a man who abuses the people. But when his son said this, then he used those words. Very in anger. And actually some narration said, then Abdul Umar said, I never will speak to you in all my life. Just think. So clear instruction from the Prophet don't stop women from going to the mosque. So clear. His wives, they come to the mosque. Other women, they come to the mosque. And it's so clear. The Prophet has so much respect for them, for their coming. He can afford anything, but he cannot afford, he cannot accept to this, that women leave the mosque. Hadith in Sahih Bukhari, Sahih Muslim, and many other books of the Hadith with different versions is coming that the Prophet said, I come to the mosque, and my intention is to make the prayer longer. And nobody loves the prayer as much as the Prophet. He wants to make the prayer longer. And then he said, I listen, I hear the cries of the babies in the arms of the mother. So I shorten the prayer because I don't want to disturb the women. He never asked women to leave the prayer because of them he's disturbed. No. He wants them to come to the prayer. He wants the children to come. To the, if the children are not coming, how women can come? In our time, you can see there are some imams, if a child comes to the mosque, they, they, they make problem. They leave the mosque. I've seen in, in Oxford. But the Prophet never, never stopped any child or any mother from coming to the mosque. And he knows that if he stops the child, their mother will not come. Because mother, how can they leave the children behind? They have come to be their babies. And that practice continued Islam throughout the centuries. I've been working on the women's scholars, you know, so many documents. In every document, mostly when I uh, have studied, I found actually in the class of the Hadith, when the women come, they have children. This baby, one month old, two month old, one year old, two year old, three year old, four year old, all in the classroom. These Muhaddithin, when these children come, they also are disturbed. You know, children are children, they can make noise, they can cry, all those things. But they never stop children from coming to the class. Because if they stop the children, then they will stop the women. They cannot learn. It never happened. You can see really the Sama'at, in the document of the Sama'at, in the, in, in the books of the Hadith, all the time the names. And when the children are left, you know, just four year old or less than five year old, they write down Uhdera. Uhdera, she was brought by her mother or father. When the child becomes five year old, then they write down Sama'a. He, he heard the Hadith from so and so. Before he is five or she is five year old, then they say Uhdera, Uhdera. And after that, then Samia, the tradition has been. The Prophet said, when I hear the cries of the babies in the arms of the mother, then I shorten my prayer. Just think. The Prophet encouraged women so much in this matter that he knows sometimes he realized that when men and women both live together in the mosque, sometimes there is so much mixing. So he asked the men to wait after the salam until the women have left. Respect for them. Sometimes he realized that then some women they find any, some harm to enter into the mosque through the same gate. Because you know, sometimes there's so much crowd. So he said, I want to make one gate only for the women. Other gates for everybody, men and women both. But some women, they want to go just alone for them. So much respect for the women. And that was Babu Nisa and Nafi, ta'ala, the slave of Abdul Umar, about whom Imam Bukhari said, the best is not of the word is Malikun and Nafi'in and Umar. Nafi said, since the Prophet said this, after that, Abdul Umar never entered to the mosque through that gate, respecting of the saying of the Prophet Just think really. You know, this actually are the sunnah of the Prophet So much love and respect for the women. And actually the Prophet said actually in one of hadith that women have been made beloved to my heart. He loves women. He respects them. So much care for them. 
And now when he has his followers, we hate the women. We think we, women come, the mosque come dirty. He said, don't stop the women from coming to the mosque. We say, we stop. We, aren't we arrogant? He didn't really practice bid'ah. He said, don't stop them. And we say, we, we can't stop them. Just think properly. Isn't really bid'ah? Isn't not going against the Prophet He said, don't stop them. I say sometimes to the people, if I tell the people now there is fatwa from Deoban and from Azhar and from Nadwa, from Mawathanvi, don't stop the women from the mosque. So Mawathanvi is fatwa, they respect. The Prophet says, he is the biggest mufti, his fatwa has no value. He said, don't stop the women, it is not a fatwa. Tell me, if I write a fatwa, it is fatwa. If I, somebody in an alim writes from Madrasa a fatwa, that don't stop the women from the mosque, people said fatwa has come. But this fatwa exists in Sahih Bukhari, the most sound book after the Quran. This fatwa exists in Muslim, most sound book after Sahih Bukhari. This fatwa exists in all the books. Sir. This fatwa has been practiced. The women used to go to the mosque all the time. They used to travel together, they used to pray together. You know how many proof people need. They used to do al-takaf in the mosque of the Prophet in his lifetime and after his death. Aisha Drat narrates that we did al-takaf with the Prophet in his mosque when he was alive and after he died. They used to do a takaf. It is, it is clearly written. Actually, in early periods, ulama did not allow any takaf except in the big mosque. Some people even used to stay in the mosque of Haram. Then after that, Hanafi Mahab became only Jami Masjid. This thing that women only had to do a takaf in their house, it came very late. You don't find any record of any companion, any female companion doing a takaf in her house. No, they used to do a takaf in, in the mosque. That was the mosque is built for them. When Allah SWT commanded Ibrahim Islam to build the house, house for, for Allah SWT for Ibadah, command was to make the house for what? For the people who do Qiyam, who do Ruku, who do, atika, who do Sujood, and who do Atikaf. Tawaf and also Atikaf. Tawaf and Atikaf, Qiyam and Ruku and Sajdah, they always have been the main Ibadah for Allah SWT. That's what the main Ibadah is. So now second point actually is that I want to make. Just think properly. Ibadah, prayer is the Ibadah. Men and women both are created to worship Allah SWT for ibadah. There is no other purpose. No other purpose of creation of men and women except ibadah. The difference between them have been made only for one purpose. So the human generation can continue on the face of the earth to worship Allah SWT. Otherwise, they are made, they are created to worship Allah SWT. Ibadah. That is the main thing for which they have been made. And among all the ibadah, the best one is the prayer. There is no ibadah in Islam better than the prayer. It never has been. The first command every messenger received, Ibrahim al Islam, Musa al Islam, Isa al Islam, Muhammad sallallahu to do the prayer. There is no ibadah before that. That is the best ibadah, the first ibadah, and the last ibadah. People want to worship their Lord, and we stop them. They want to come to worship their Lord. Women want to worship their Lord. Actually, once I was going to my mosque in Oxford, and I saw a lady coming to the mosque, actually, tears came to my eye. I was thinking, really, what makes this woman to come to the mosque? other than love of her Lord. Just she coming to worship her Lord. Are we want to stop her? Are we love? People, if do ibadah, their Lord, even if do mistake, Allah loves them. When you make effort to love your Lord or worship Him, you get reward with this mistake. You know, if somebody comes, if sometimes there are mistakes, some women don't behave properly, so what? Men don't behave properly, many, many days, many things. Are we going to stop them? Think properly, this really is something nobody can think. You know, I have been, I'm from India. I know that in India, women don't go to the mosque. But I never have seen in India anybody stopping women from the mosque. I've been traveling with my wife, my, my, my children. When the time for the prayer comes, we go to any mosque, and they go and do wudu and pray in one of the quarters. Nobody stops. 
This thing I never have seen in India, anybody stopping a woman for the most. It is first time in this country, actually I, I, I learned this thing. One of my students phoned me, you know, for a, coming from Oxford to Leicester, and he said, I went, you know, with my wife, you know, I wanted to pray in the mosque. They said, no, women cannot go. She, she has to go and pray at her home. It was winter. Azor prayed. He said, how can she pray at home? She's from Oxford. They said, no, she can't pray here. Then one Hindu shopkeeper next to the mosque, he allowed that lady to pray in the shop. Tell me, the place which is meant for, for worship, she cannot pray there? What happens? It's become, does it become dirty? Tell me, where is there any proof? Did Abu Hanifa stop? Imam Abu Hanifa certainly, you know, for, for some women, or, you know, different versions there, he does, does, does not like. But he never stops. He makes arrangement. He says, when the women come in the prayer, you know, men will stand, then the children behind them, and then the women. He made rule properly, clearly. And he said, if a woman stands next to a man, and it is the same prayer, then the prayer of the man becomes invalid, the prayer of a woman is still valid. And if a different prayer, then no harm. According to Abu Hanifa, if a man and a woman both stand next to each other, but it is not the same prayer, nothing happens. If it is only the same prayer behind the same imam, and they are next to each other, then the prayer of the man, not woman, becomes invalid. But not, not the woman. It is very clear in Hanafi Madhab and all the Madhab. Imam, imam Malik even actually lighter than that. Even if they dislike, but they never stop. This thing to stop the women from coming to the mosque, it really is something, it, you know, more than arrogance. And arrogance against the Prophet He said, don't stop, and we say we can stop. So first thing, understand this properly. Ibadah is the fundamental, basic rights of every human being. That's why the Prophet did not allow people to rebel against the rulers as long as they allow you to pray. And Quran makes very clear. Quran says, Aqimna salata. Iqamatu salata, Iqamatu ulama, in words actually, even jama'at. And Quran said to Maryam alayhi salam, Ya Maryamu, uqnuti li rabbike, wasjudi, warka'i ma'ar raka'in. Do ruku with people who do ruku. Ruku never can be done alone. Ruku always part of the prayer. Sajda sometimes without the prayer. But ruku never is ibadah except in the prayer. Meaning, do the prayer in congregation, in the jama'at. And the prophets have said, anybody who comes to the mosque, when they do wudu, their sins are forgiven, and when they walk to the mosque, you know, for every step, they get one reward and one sin forgiven. And when they attend the prayer in the mosque with jama'ah, then the reward becomes 20, 25, or 27 times more. It is the same for men and women, as Sheikh Sassudah was saying, you know, there's not, no difference for men and women. And the Prophet has made very clear, one prayer in Haram, Makkah, has this reward. One prayer in, in mosque of the Prophet has some, in some relation 10,000 reward more than the other prayer. Same for men and women. And the proof of that is one of the wives of the Prophet, Maimunah, a lady came to her and said to her that I had another, that if something happened, something you know about another, that I am going to travel to to Maqdis to do prayer because I have another. Maimunah said to her, Don't go to, to Baitul Maqdis, come to my house, I have a dinner. And then I tell you. And she came for the dinner. And this, then she said to her, don't travel to Baitul Maqdis because the Prophet has said one prayer in my mosque is actually equal to 10,000 prayers or something like that. Pray here, you get reward of 10,000 prayers. Why should the Prophet know properly that every reward of the prayer in the mosque of the Prophet has same thing for men, same for women? And actually I have heard some people say that when the women go to the, to, to, for Hajj and Umrah, they ask their women to stay in the hotel, don't pray in the mosque. You going there spending money and the prayer there has got reward of 100,000 prayers. And the same thing for the men and women. You ask them to stay behind. What is the proof for that? Who said this? And where it has come from? Have you ever heard Abu Bakr Siddiq, Umar al-Farooq, Uthman or Ali or any companion stopping women for the prayer? 
and tell me is there any mixing in the world more than the tawaf? Don't you see tawaf is together? Is there any mixing on the face of even on the beaches? If you go on the seaside, there's no mixing as much as in tawaf. You know how much mixing tawaf is? You never can do tawaf unless you are pushed by, you know, by, by women. And women cannot do tawaf unless they're pushed by men. It's impossible. On the beach, there's no much pushing. The only reason we don't allow beaches is because the beach beaches because the people come there for the purpose. In tawaf, there are more mixing. It happened and Islam never make in any problem. It never happened. People have been doing tawaf. And actually, if you follow Shafi Madhab, then you can't do Shafi Madhab. If you touch by a woman, your wudu is broken. Tell me, in this tawaf, I think if you are like, like you know, tawaf of tawaf al-Fadha, which is for tawaf, you know, within three days, everybody do tawaf. In this tawaf, so many thousands of people, if your wudu is broken and you go for to do wudu again, how many hours will it take? If you follow Shafi Madhab, you never can do umrah or hajj. You know, one of my friends, Ahmad Ashur, you know, he mentioned Medina, that now even Shafi's car has given fatah to Hanafi Madhab. That in tawaf, you are tied by women, or women tied by men, wudu is still, you know, you don't need to do wudu. So he said, one of my Shafi friends, he said to me, no, no, I'm going to do tawaf, I can't do Shafi Madhab. He put on gloves and everything properly, doing tawaf. He was doing tawaf, when he was in, on the sixth round, then a old lady, Egyptian lady, came to him and said, oh, you want to do tawaf, can't do Shafi Madhab? Then she put her hand on his forehead. <laughs> what he can do? You know, this, you know, and this actually we have to learn that you know, the tawaf which actually more mixing in the world than anything else. And in the mosque, if you really are scared of mixing, you still you can make in the mosque two different sections. Just you know, completely for women differently, different get, different dress, they can come and they pray behind the imam and then they can have their circles, their halqa, they can go. If you want to make arrangement, you can make arrangement. If you really think, otherwise the sunnah, sunnah way is men style, then the children and then the women. The Prophet said never, never made any segregation. Many people have no, no understanding of this matter that in Islam, there are actually two things are very clear. Public space and private space. Private space is a different space. In private space, women basically are not in free flow. When you come to private space, you need to take permission. Knock the door, say assalamu alaikum, because they are not in jilbab. When a woman comes to a public space, she comes in jilbab. Jilbab is her permission, now she can come to public space. She can come to the mosque, she can come walk on the street, she can come go to, go to the market. In a public space, the Prophet never, never allowed people to have segregation. Never. You never find Medina, two market. One for men, one for women. Never. Same market for men, same for women. Never. You never find Medina, two streets. One for men, one for It's a public space. When he's traveling with the women, going for Hajj or for Jihad, men and women, both are traveling together, he never made two sections. In public space, he never makes segregation. Because Jilbab actually means that. Jilbab means now the women have got full license to use public space freely as many use. In the mosque, his mosque, he never made segregation. And if you make segregation, there is a problem. For example, if the prayer is four rakah, and second rakah, if Imam does not sit, he made that mistake, and he stands up. If women are somewhere you know, far away in the room, they don't see the imam and the, and the rose, they'll be sitting. Women are sitting and men are standing. That when the prayer, every row must be able to see the row before it. Otherwise, the prayer is not valid. In between rows, there's a big space or road or path where people cannot notice the, you know, the rows before it, the prayer will not be valid. Prophet never made segregation between women and men. Women used to be so close behind the men that women complain to the Prophet when men go to Sajda, their clothes are not appropriate. Sometimes during the Sajda, their private parts become uncovered. Our eyes fall upon that. 
if we are there, we find solution. We say, okay, let's make a screen. Let's this, you know, segregation. No, the prophet did not do. What he said? He said to the women, when you go inside the, keep, remain inside the until the men have stood up. Then your eyes don't fall. You are, you are inside the, and when they stand up, then after they stand up, your eyes don't fall. One of the young companions, you know, this is the part of the Hadith, Bukhari, and the Muslim other books of the Hadith. He said, my tribe, they were not Muslim. But I was a young boy, and many companies used to pass by, so I used to learn from Quran from them. When my tribe became Muslim, then the Prophet said, who knows the Quran most? And people said, this boy knows the Quran the most. The Prophet made me the Imam. I became Imam, and was a young boy, but I did not have proper clothes. So when I used to do sajda, you know, my private part used to become uncovered. So the women complained to the people of tribe, Waru anna awrata imamikum. Cover from us the private part of your imam. To tell me what happened. Did the people make segregation? No. The people made for the imam new clothes. Now new clothes. He's so happy because young boy, you know, from poor family, no clothes, now new clothes. He said after Islam, I never have been so happy with anything. I became happy with this new clothes. So happy. You see, no segregation. You never find really. I've been doing research about women scholars in Islam. You know, for all the century, you know, women, you know, come and learn and teach in all the mosques, in all the madrasas, in all the colleges, everywhere they teach and also they study. I never have found anywhere segregation. Sometimes teaching happening, actually, you know, some are happening. There are few men, few women teachers, and also, you know, the, you know, the audience, they are both. In the most part of the Prophet one of the women, Fatima bint Ibrahim, in Mahmud al-Bataliyah, uh, uh, she died in the year 711. She is the teacher of Imam Dahabi and Imam Subki from Damascus. And she had one of the highest scenarios of Sahih Bukhari, from Hussain ibn Mubarak al-Zubaydi. He is the last person to narrate Sahih Bukhari very high in the whole world. So she studied the Sahih Bukhari from him, because when he came to Damascus, he made the people, he, he did two khat of Sahih Bukhari. One in Jamia al-Mudhaffari, in Qasiyun, and one in Jamia al-Umayyah. Both in the year 630, many, many men and many, many women, they attended all the classes of Tahi Bukhari. Among them was Fatima al-Batahiyya, very high sanat. And people are coming to learn, men are coming to learn from her. When she came for the Hajj, and she came to Madinah Munawwara, then the ulama and qudat, the jad and fuqaha of Madinah, they requested her to teach Sahih Bukhari and other books of the Hadith in the mosque of the Prophet they are all, but they are not Western people. You know, if I teach such a person, I'm influenced by, by the West. But Fatima al-Batahiyya, she's not influenced by any Western thing. She's in 711, when there was no West, no Europe. Muslims were the master of the world. She is there, and people ask her to teach where? In the mosque of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi I know one of the, her students, Ibn Rashid Sabti, who wrote in his journey, he said, when I came to Medina, I saw her teaching where? Next to the grave of the Prophet Sallallahu Tell me. If we Muslims did not have respect for the women, did they, could they allow the women to sit next to the grave of the Prophet And then the grave had a you know, head and, and, and the feet. She used to sit opposite of the head of the Prophet And sometimes when she's tired, she used to lean on the wall of the grave. That is fully written. And people used to learn with her. And then after the class, she would write ijada for every single person in the class with her own hand. This happening in the mosque of the Prophet are our most more holy than the mosque of the Prophet Women teaching there and people learning from her. You know, I don't want to give many examples, but I know one of the great mosques in Islam is Jamia Banu Umayyah in, in, in Damascus. You know, very, very, very old mosque. And there have been tradition in that mosque. There is something called Qubbatul Nasr. There's one dome that's called Qubbatul Nasr. And it has been tradition for a long time 
that you know the biggest person, biggest muhaddith at the time, the best person, he would he will teach hadith under uh, in Ubatul Nasr. Always have been people the coming you know, teaching their hadith. Among the women, the only person we have known in the history who used to teach under Qubatul Nasr, Aisha bint Ibn Abdul Hadi, who died in the year 814. 814, Afisa, she died. She was appointed by the rulers to teach Sahih Bukhari and other books of the hadith underneath of the Qubatul Nasr. And she used to get salary for that payment. Meaning it, in that period, there was no man in Syria who was more learning the hadith than her. Because that post always to go to the best person and the field of the hadith. She's teaching there, accepted, and the people who learn from her, two best muhaddis of that time. In Egypt, that time was the best person in Muhammad al-Asqani, the one who wrote Fatul Bari, commentary. And the second person equal to him was in Syria, Ibn Nasiruddin al-Dimashqi. Both people have studied with Aisha bint Ibn Abdul Hadi underneath Qubbatul Nasr in Jami Banu If this is not allowed, how they could learn from her? And actually, when Ibn al-Asqani came, he only did not learn from her, Sahih Bukhari. I have counted, he learned from, he read with her 70 books of hadith. It's more and big, 70 titles, 70, 70 books of the hadith, small and big. He studied with Aisha and also her sister, with many people, but 70 only with Aisha. And also in the mosque of Batul Maqdis, you know, Umm Darda, many people, they have been teaching. You know, this is our history. We don't actually have you know, anybody, any time, stopping women from coming to the mosque. Tell me, if something continued practice, in the time of the Prophet, then after that time, if he changed it, is it not bid'ah? Then what bid'ah is? It is this is not bid'ah. And even when the Prophet said, don't stop them, it is not only bid'ah, it is opposing the Prophet, differing from him. You know, it really should not, people should think properly. You know, one should really feel you know, in his heart that, you know, do I actually have a right to differ from the Prophet? Some manner, there should be some manner. You know, if I, if for example, if somebody in this country, writes a good book against Nadwa, against Mawla Shibri Numani, Sayyid Sulaiman Adhibi, Abul Hassan Adhibi. I really don't mind, you know, because they're all a man. You know, people, you can criticize them, you can differ from them, you can do whatever you like, you know, the people have full right. But think really, can we imagine believers to differ from the Prophet You know, you could be believer, does not follow him, because believers do sin, but differing from him, and still you think you're a believer, and then giving fatwa, giving fatwa in his name against him, which fatwa is don't stop the women, and you give fatwa, no, you, we stop the women. Think for, and then we say to their fitna, which fitna is this? People say because, you know, the house of the women are better, you know, for them than the most. Who said this? Are the houses really better? Ask the women. In houses there are TV, in houses there are internet, in houses there are problem. Tell the women when they come to pray in the mosque, do they feel better or when they pray at home? Tell if the women do a takaf in the house, is it better or when she come to the mosque? In the house, the TV, there's so many problems, arguments, fighting, food, all those things, disturbance. And still we say, prayer in the house is better. Ask, feel you about yourself. When you come to the mosque, is it better for you? We feel, I feel, if I pray at home, it's different. When I pray in the mosque, it's different. You know, doing, you know when you do, you know, it, you don't understand really what, what jama is. What prayer, prayer in jama basically hijra. When you pray in jama, you do hijra. It is more hijra. You basically, physically, you are, you know, moving. You are turning away from something which is not, which actually other than Allah. To Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it is Hanifiya. Prayer in the Jama'ah is Hanifiya. Prayer in Jama'ah is Hijra. You basically leave your dunya, your business, your food, your family behind and go to the mosque. You know, prayer in Jama'ah actually has so, so much reward, so much value. It really makes you a different person. 
and we want to stop the women from this, this right, this thing. Anyway, I think I've said enough because I think we're now getting back to go to Oxford. But if you have any question, you can ask, then I can answer, inshallah. Because this matter, you know, I, I've been teaching so many times, you know, all the time I've teaching, uh, you know, about my book and this and that. I think I translated one of the small uh, writings of Muhammad Rahimullah Ta'ala on this topic that we must attend the play in the mosque. And we translated also edited it. So if you can look, and some arguments you can find. And certainly those people who say we must pray at home is better than the mosque. They have no proof. Even if it's better, still allow them. Like, for example, my prayer, you say men's prayer in the mosque is better than the home. But still we pray at home. Even if you believe that women's prayer at a mosque at home is better than the mosque, so why you stop them? If they want to have less reward, let them have less reward. You hate women anyway, let them have less reward. Why you stop them from having less reward? You know, think properly that what says in men, if they have less reward in prayer at home, in, in the mosque. But it does not make any sense really. That the Prophet allow the women to leave the house to get less reward in the mosque. It never makes sense. That all the wives of Prophet, they leave the house, they come to the mosque to get less reward. Anyway, it will become longer. If you have any questions, please ask. I mentioned that I said, no, this is more book. <laughs> yeah, the question is that some people think that, you know, if the women are, like if the men are in the mosque, behind the imam, they get more reward. And if the women are in the corner, the smallest corner of the house, in dark place, whatever they say, then they get more reward. So, you know, this thing actually, Muhammad Zahiri had mentioned, and also I found proof, more proof. Simple thing really is, all those hadiths that people cite, in the support that women's prayer at home or any corner of the house is better than the mosque, some of them are fabricated and some are too weak to stand for any argument. You can see the, all the arguments are different. And simple thing with Muhammad Zahiri makes a good question is, just think the Prophet was Nasih. He was sincere advisor for the people. If he knows when women leave the house, they come and pray at, at mosque, they get less reward. If he's Nasih, what he would advise them? He would say to them that, like we people, we people believe that women get more reward at home, so we advise them don't go to the mosque. Because why you want to lose the reward? If the Prophet believed that women have more reward at home than the mosque, why would allow them to come to the mosque? Then he's not sincere. He's not nasty. And then why his wife, they keep coming to the mosque, he did not stop them. 
and all the people and why he said don't disturb them actually this is good reason to start the women if the women leave the house so much difficulty so much problem to get less reward it means they are stupid tell me in this world is there anybody who makes more effort to get less reward is there anybody in the world nobody in the world will make more effort to get less reward if the prophets are allowed the women to do this this religion actually has no sense so then no proof single proof actually in the quran or in the sunnah of rasulullah that women get more reward if they pray at home except if they are excused if they have no excuse generally no doubt people do do they go do hijrah they come to the mosque they get more reward and pray, you know, prayer in the congregation they had more reward that how the people used to go do aisha not on her when she used to teach and she she cannot attend the prayer in the mosque then after the class she would ask one of her male student to lead the prayer if there are male students if there no male student then she herself would lead the prayer that how they, if they have no reward in praying jamaah why they do this thing why they make a male student to lead the prayer they can say to the male you go and pray in the mosque we pray alone but they used to do they are the people of our generation so simple thing anybody who teaches that the prayer at home has more reward they have no proof actually the main the most important hadith you know when said don't stop women from going to the mosque they are sahih bukhari they are muslim most authentic hadith and if people want to know details of the argument why these hadith are fabricated or weak you can see in the book i don't remember everything by heart you can see that inshallah it's more book anyway you can look at that inshallah Can you repeat the question, please? Can you repeat the question, please? Can you say again because of the argument? What was the question? Can you say again? Yeah, because these events are actually fine. And the only thing in Islam is to teach people proper, you know, proper things. So this is actually thing. Now, Mawlana Shafiq Zohar came from London. He made a part and he explained very nicely that how in the Quran, you know, basically all the address, they are the same for men and women. If there's something different, then the Quran would put different. Otherwise, anything Quran says about Iman, about Amal, about the prayer, it is same for men, same for women. So we should learn, you know, this thing properly. And then, you know, when you learn, you teach other people that how it grows. So teaching the best thing, we don't want to rebel, we don't want people to rebel, we don't want people to create any problem, we just want nicely and smoothly to teach from, you know, from one person to other person, and inshallah, this will grow. Actually, I was in, in America, you know, uh, this, uh, you know, uh, Ramadi, you know, he knows uh, Nomal Beg, so I came to his madrasa in his masjid, so there is prayer, and he's actually, you know, from Deoband school, he's actually, he studied in Binauru town in Karachi. So in his mosque, when I first time I saw, men are there, and the women are next, just behind the men. There's no barrier, nothing. It's a very small mosque anyway. So I said to him, what happened? You know, in your own mosque, women are just behind the men. And I wrote 50 volumes, and nobody listened to me. 
what you did? He said, no, I just follow the sunnah. So you see, because you know, he, he's from Deobandi Deoban, school, and if you know, people can say about me that I'm not Deobandi, do I, you don't think really whether what I am not, but the simple thing is, he's from Binori town, get a madrasa, and he does. And he's a Muslim, you can ask him. Actually, I, I met him this time in Umrah, and I said to him that, you know, sometimes I refer to you. He said, no, you have to tell the people that this happened in my mosque. Men and the women there immediately. So this is how people learn, inshallah, it will grow. We take time, inshallah, but it will, it will grow, inshallah. The women from you know, people, if there is a mosque committee, there are men and women. You know, not, nobody can stop the women. You know, why not? Women should advise, men should advise. You know, Quran said that men and women, you know, they are you know, helpers of each other. You know, men command good, and women command good. Men forbid from the evil, women forbid from the evil. Both are helpers. So why not? Men and women, there's no problem in this matter. You know, what only thing we don't like is if a woman leads the prayer, then men pray behind her. But otherwise, if a woman becomes director of the mosque, if she runs the mosque, management competition, what's the problem with that? The only problem is the woman leads the prayer, and if any man pray behind her, then the prayer of the man becomes invalid. In Qudur it is written that anybody who prays behind the, behind the women, the prayer of the man becomes invalid. Prayer of the women is fine. Women who lead the prayer, and the women who pray behind her, their prayer is valid. But the men who pray, because you know, desire can come. This only problem is there, otherwise any management, any leader. You know, Aisha Latana, she is leading the whole army. And you talk about the mosque, management of the mosque. You know, she leads the whole army, thousands of people have been killed behind her, and then she comes to Basra and she's teaching her, and nothing happened. And I really feel she's so strong. I feel if I only one person killed behind me, I'll be on the bed, in the bed for a long time. And there's thousands of people have been killed after her, and she goes, comes to Basra, and then she's teaching. And you feel that nothing happened. Actually, in the beginning, I was so much wondering that why so many women from Aisha they never from Basra. No city, not Kufa, not Sham, but from Basra. The reason was she came to the Battle of Kaimir, she was defeated, so she came to Basra and started teaching. And so many women, they come and learn, and nothing happened. And, look, and women from both camps, women from those people who opposed her and those who support those families, both come and they learn from her. And she's teaching both, she teaching both of them. After Medina, the most women who narrate from Aisha, they are from Basra. Because she came after the Battle of Jamal and she stayed there in one of the palaces. And she kept teaching.
criticism from the Ahadith, you know, the uh, you know, his use of the Ahadith, such as himself, or Bala from in the Tafsir. So, in a very basic uh, kind of a summary, what would you say to, for the benefit of the Awad, for the benefit of the sister brotherhood, how can we defeat this type of mentality? Or how can we counter that narrative? You know, I think really I don't have time to comment out the Hadith, though, many of this I have been discussing so many times with the people, simply to understand really this religion is not an idea. Islam is not an idea. Islam is history. Islam is basically continuous practice for all the time of the past. It is sunnah. Islam is sunnah. Islam is not actually an idea. It is not fikra. It is not idea. It is not falsafa. Islam is simply sunnah. Tell the people, the person who received the revelation of the Quran, if he said don't stop the women from coming to the mosque, who can understand the Quran more than him? If he did this, it means his practice of women coming to the mosque does not go against the Quran. Because the Prophet never can do something against the Quran. He, he does. He is the one who said, don't stop the women. Who we go to listen? We had, we had no guidance except through him. He is the one who does this. His bayan. His bayan is the more important. If the Prophet actually, even the Quran makes very clear that women can come to the mosque. You know, it is so clearly. Maryam was in, in, in the temple. She was not, you know, she doing a takaf there. And the Quran never said it only for her. Quran never said like that. There are no hadith which said it only for Maryam al-Islam. Actually, Quran said, Ya Maryam al-Uqnuti, angels come to tell her, Ya Maryam al-Uqnuti, Rabbike, Wasjudi, Warka'i, Marraka'i. She's doing a takaf. You know, even from the Quran, it is very clear, and the Sunnah of the Prophet To anything where people say it differs from the, from the Quran, Sunnah, we have to make jama. We have to understand then what meaning is. We cannot actually leave well-known practice because of some possible meaning. You think this was means this, and I think it means this. Then look at the Sunnah. You know, like, you know, Shams al-Dhar, Shams al-Dhar makes a very good point that in all those sunnah that people follow in certain laws, when it comes for these issues, they don't follow any rule of the fatwa, any, any fact. You know, think really, if you think that, you know, for the bayan, you know, for every single thing you say bayan, and if the Quran said, one sahabi ruusikum, and if people say that for the masahib, you know, nasiyah, where this comes from? It doesn't come from the Quran. You said the Prophet sallallahu you know, Mughirah Shobah hadith, he did much like that. If that sunnah of Mughirah Shobah can be bayan of the Quran, do Imam Malik differs from him, Imam Shafi differs, still you agree that? Here nobody differs, nobody differs. Why the practice of the Prophet can be bayan? Look what he did. For if Quran said, If the woman had been divorced three times, Quran said, she cannot come back to her husband until she married new husband. Everybody said, no, it is not enough. She must marry and have a relation. This relation is not in the Quran. It is only in the hadith of wife of Rafa al-Qurazi. Nobody else. It is only one hadith. Everybody follows. If after every single matter, the Prophet is bayan, sallallahu alayhi wa why not in this matter? When he says clearly in the most authentic hadith, in Bukhari, Muslim, not one, many, many, and when we know that his wife and, and women of the Sahaba, they used to attend the prayer in the mosque, when he know that they, they used to do atakaf, we know they used to do atakaf and tawaf, and after that, they continued. Why is this not, this not taken? We, we want to make excuse. You know, you know, in the day of judgment, it is not enough. You know, people have to understand, if you eliminate something, you are going to be accountable. It is not my religion, it is not your religion. In the day of judgment, everybody come to Allah Taala. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not Hanafi or Maliki or Shafi. You know, he's going to judge properly.
he would surely have prevented them from attending the fair in the mosque, just as the women of Bani Israel were prevented and, and the sisters also said the hadith in Sahih Bukhari and Muslim. Yeah, Sahih Bukhari. The hadith is that Aisha not explained in the Hadith Zahiri, he mentioned this hadith and answer three, six answer parts, very nice, very nice discussion. So I will summarize that. Hadith of Aisha Nathalie, she said, had the Prophet seen what the women of our time do, he would have stopped them from going to the mosque as women of Ban Israel had been stopped. This is the Hadith. What Ibn Hadith Zahiri actually making is, tell me what the women have been doing in the time of Aisha, which they did not do in the time of the Prophet what they have done. Second thing is, he said, if the Prophet did not see them, he did not stop them. So why we can stop? Third thing is, okay, Aisha knows this, this thing, so why she kept coming? If, if she said, if the Prophet had seen the women, what they do, he would have stopped them from coming to the mosque. Now she knows, so why she kept coming? She should be the first person to stop from going to the mosque. But she kept going, going. Anyway, long discussion, he makes a simple thing is when people use the law in Arabic in a language, if it really is just basically like what we say, is the way of the khitab, speech. It is to emphasize something. It does not mean to stop anybody. Simple thing. Because we know that because of, because of that hadith, nobody starts from going to the mosque, very clearly. And also think really what women have done. I, I, I made research for that. The only thing was what happened, some women started going to the mosque while applying the perfume. And the Prophet said the way has been, when some, some people do something harmful, he does not stop the general good from the rest of the community because of some people's mistake. No, he just stopped there. He never stops from you know, general good from, from all the people. And then Ibn Hadda Zahiri said, think properly, you know, is there anything in the world worse than Zena? In Islam after the shirk, there's nothing worse than Zena. And Zena was done by the companions, male and female, in the time of the Prophet Still he did not stop them. There's nothing worse than Zena. Zena was done. And he did not stop the men and women from coming to the mosque. He never stopped anything anyway. You know, there are hadiths, actually very clear books of the hadith. A, compa- a companion came to Prophet and he said to him, I kissed a woman in the market of Medina by mistake. The Prophet turned his face. He came second time, he turned his face. Third time, he turned his face. Did not answer. Then after that, time for the prayer came, they went for the prayer. And then the Prophet said, where is the man who asked the question? He said, here I am. The Prophet said, don't you know in al-hasanat within the sayyat, good deeds, they remove bad deeds? He said, is it only for me? The Prophet said, no, it is for everybody. Tell me if this incident happened in Karachi, or Lahore, or Lucknow, or Delhi, what will happen? We'll burn the car and shut it down the market, and we say women cannot come to the you know, shops because you know this incident happened? Nothing. The Prophet only simply said that, you know, if you pray behind me, since I'm forgiven. The Prophet never stopped a general good because of the mistake of one or two persons. He never did like that. So if some people, some women use perfume, you know, Aisha doesn't want to stop them, don't do this thing. Like Abu Hurad al-Latr, he also used to say, oh, Ya Amat rahman O Salaam rahman don't do this thing. They just did. So if the women could do zina in the time of the Prophet he did not stop them from going to the mosque, then anything is smaller than that. So anyway, people want to know the answer properly. You know, I don't keep everything in detail. So you can read, you know, he, this is the hadith he did in much detail because this is the strongest hadith by the people who oppose women going to the mosque. So that's why he answered them properly. To do it? 
It's compulsory. No, it's not compulsory for the women. For the women, if they come, they get. For some people, Islam has made exception. So for the women, certainly there is exception. For example, if women, women are exempted from jihad, but if they make effort, they do jihad, they get reward. So similarly, women are exempt. If the women don't attend the prayer in the mosque, they don't get sin. But if they attend the prayer, certainly they get the same reward as the men get. It's not for the men, it's obligatory. It's obligatory, wajib on the men to attend the prayer in the mosque. Without excuse, they should not leave really. It's one of the important wajib in Islam. But for the, for the women, no, it's not wajib. He encouraged them. He said, don't stop them from coming to the mosque. And he's, he said, when women come with their children, the children cry, I can sh- shorten the prayer not to disturb them. This encouragement. We people actually discouraged We said, no, don't bring the children. We discouraged him. But he said, no. He never said, don't bring the children. He expressed But he never said to the women to leave the mosque. He never said their prayer at home is better than the mosque. No. All his wife, they used to pray in, in the masjid. So this encouragement. And he said, if the people come to the mosque and they pray, they get 25 times the reward more than anybody else, and they, they get sin, sins are removed. And as Sheikh Abdullah said, these kinders, they are for men and women both. It is not only for, for, for men, they are gender. Islam, you know, in his Arabic language, Sheikh said very clearly, and it takes me, you know, no doubt it's very good, people have to learn this thing. Quran does not use gender thing, you know, generally, except when they need. Because Quran does not want to prove that it is a book of, you know, against feminism or this and that. No, it is a book of Allah SWT. Allah does not need to any proof. So generally, all guidance about paradise, about ibadah, it is for everybody, for men and women. When there is something exceptional, then Quran will mention for the men specifically or for the women, that happen. So all the things of reward, whether the prayer in the mosque of Haram or Bethel Maqdis, either 100,000 times more, it is for men and women both. And that was his wife understood. That was she saying that don't go to Bethel Maqdis. The reward in, in the mosque of the Prophet is more than going there. That she is using. So all the rewards that they are, they are in the prayer in the congregation, or they are in the mosque of the Prophet they are same for men, same for women. And there's no difference, there's no uh, evidence for that. Otherwise, that uh, as Shaykh Sassam said, then we should say that women will not enter paradise. Because all the Quranic verses about paradise, they are actually mudakkar, you know, for the men only. Then we should say like that. I don't actually understand who, who used this word. Fitna in Arabic language actually is not as negative as people think. Fitna in Arabic language means uh, something which is more attractive, so attractive that it starts people from something else. That's why in Arabic language we say Fotena Behi. Fotena Behi means he became very much in love of that person. So he forgets everything else. That fitna. Quran says, Innama amwalukum wa awladukum fitna. Your money and your children are fitna. So what you should do, take out your money from your house. Because money is fitna. Quran says, Innama amwalukum wa awladukum fitna. Your wealth is fitna. To those men who think that women are fitna, Quran does not say women are fitna. Quran says, money and children are fitna. Then make, make them to leave the house. Don't have your children in the house and don't have the money. Because money is a fitna, the Quran says. You think properly. You know, if, who says this thing? And if there is some distraction, it is your responsible. They are not responsible. You should control your desire. You should make effort. You know what? You know Quran, what Quran said, if you are walking on the street and a woman comes, the Quran said, ask women to go to house. Quran said, no, lower your eye. You know, if I am walking and a mountain is in front of me, so I start that, no, no, I will not move. Mountain has to move. No. Simple with I move. If I go, a woman comes. 
It's not that I ask women, no, you go and stay in the house because I, how can I walk? I have a fitna. No, lower my eye, simple thing. Lower your eye, like the Quran said. If you see the women, lower your eye. And if women see you and they desire cut, they lower their eye. So simple solution. But you say, no, I, I'm not going to lower my eye. The only solution is women should be shut down in the houses. This solution never comes to the Quran, never Sunnah. The Prophet Sallallahu society, men and women both are active. They are working every same. Every same. You never find in the, Madin, in, 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 in the Medina society, women are not there all the time present. In the market, they are there. In the farms, Asma bin Tawika Sadiq, she used to work in a field, in a farm next to a neighbor, next to Jewish settlement. She used to work there. Not Muslim. Jewish settlement. She used to work there. Every day going and doing farming and coming back home. She used to do and nobody stopped her. Even to once the person saw her coming, he asked her if she, she can stay, is, you know, ride on the camel behind him. But she did not accept. Do you see? She's coming and the person never stopped. Then this, these arguments that people are making up. Simple thing is, go and read that, all these things. It is actually not, not a secret. The Bukhari and Muslim, you know, people simply don't learn really. When you read a book of Hadith, so many women's names come. And the people who narrate from them, they are men. And most of them, they have no relation with them. How they learn from them? These women must be teaching somewhere. Class must be happening. We don't think properly. And some of them narrate hundreds of the hadith and thousands of this. We never think really how these women come in the chain of narration. There must be class. And people say there is be class. Imam Zuhair, who is one of the, one of the six pillars of the hadith. People say hadith among the younger tabi'in depends on six people. The, the most important among them is Zuhri. And people say, Alamu tabi'in, most knowledgeable among all tabi'in. Somebody asked one of his father, Imam Tabi'in, that why is it that Zuhri has so much knowledge you don't have? He said the reason is when Zuhri used to come to the class, he used to sit in the front of the everybody. And then after teacher has left, he used to discuss with every man, every woman in the class. Even he used to discuss with old women, with young women. And then after that, Zuhri used to go to every single house around in Medina and they used to discuss with old ladies, with young ladies, even the women who are, you know, kept in a small room because when they get, you know, the Dawatul Khudur, Dawatul Khudur means those women who are ready for marriage. So they used to keep them in secret for one. Even Zuhri used to go to those women and, and discuss with them. That's how he learned. It is in the biographies of the people. Zuhri is one of the great Tabi. And he learns from many, many women anyway. How they learn? Ibrahim, Muslim Ibrahim al-Farahidi, the teacher Imam Bukhari and Abu Dawud, he said in the city of Basra alone, I studied Hadith with 70 men, 70, 70 women, 70 people. Imam al-Asakar Dabashki, so late, he studied Hadith with 80 women of his time, and he mentioned all the other biographies. Ibn Najjar, who wrote there of Tariq al-Baghdad, such a great book, in his biography, Imam Zahabi said, Ibn Najjar, the Mashaykhai, 1,000 people. He had hadith narration from 1,000 people. Among them, 400 are women. It is our history. How he learned from 400? Are 400 women his, his relative? He learned from them in the mosque, in the madrasa, in the college that he goes. And I have record that these women used to teach in the college, in the madrasa. All the famous madrasa of the world. They used to teach. We have changed. It is not that, you know, that was something, that was norm. We have changed that norm. In teaching, in the class. Yeah, in teaching, in the class. 
you know that I'd not like to explain properly, but the thing, simple thing is, as I mentioned, that the public is public space and private space. When the women are at home, they are in private space. Then they have no jilbab. So when they when they used to teach in, in, in the at home, then they used to be hijab. The Quran says, When you come to the house and ask anything, they're from the hijab because they are in their normal clothes, they are not in jilbab. So when they're teaching at home, then their relatives and the women, they're in front of these, these women. And men are from behind the curtain. When the women come teach in jilbab in the mosque, in the public space, then there have been never segregation. People are sitting there, actually sometimes they discuss their face, everything, nothing. It is there. Segregation only happen when they are teaching at home, because home is a public, private space. In private space, women are not required to have jilbab. But when they come outside, then they put up jilbab. What the purpose of jilbab is? Nothing purpose. Jilbab basically is for that purpose, protection. Once, once they have jilbab, now you want to, them to carry their house as well. So women cannot move without, without house. Like this preacher in Egypt used to say, women are not allowed to come out except three times. First time when they come out from the womb of the mother. Second time when they come out from the house of their father to go to the house of their husband. And third time when they die, so their funeral comes out from the house of the husband to the grave. Only three times women can go. Is it Islam? Quran actually mentioned the worst punishment for women if women does adultery, zina. Then confine them to the house until, until they die or until the revelation comes. This is worst punishment to keep women in the house. The worst punishment in Islam is for the zina. And before the revelation of the head of zina, the punishment was keep them in the house until they die. Now we want to give this punishment for the women for no sin, no, no crime. That was for a crime, for a sin. The Quran said, keep them in the house. And we said, no, we keep them in the house even if they don't do anything.
Yeah, I'm going to say.